0: Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. What a goal!
1: Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again.
0: The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff, and joining me, as always, are my friend and action colleagues, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And this episode, we will go over uh, the four remaining first legs of the round of 16 in the Champions League, and then we will dive into some midweek Premier League matches. There's a handful of them and a couple of tasty ones uh, at that uh, before giving out our best bets, and then we'll get out of here. The best place to start? This episode is at Stanford Bridge, where Chelsea are minus 300 hosting Lille. They're plus 850 traveling to London. The draw is plus 450. This game is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Tuesday on the two advanced line. Chelsea's minus 450 prohibitive favorites and the French team. They're coming back at 3 to 1. Anthony, uh, I think we're catching Chelsea at a weird spot. Uh, they're not in particularly good form. They're 2 2 and 1 win, draw, loss over the last five in those five matches. Uh, Their expected goal differential is only plus 0.38, which is not at the elite level you'd expect over a team that we thought was going to challenge for a Premier League title through the first couple months of the season. And they are the defending Champions League title holders, Um, and they're creating just under one expected goal for per match in the span And going up against uh, Lille, that's a bit of an issue just because their defensive record's pretty good here. They aren't getting the results in Ligue 1, but their underlying metrics, especially defensively, are quite strong. So do you think uh, this is a good buy-low spot on Chelsea? Or do you think that the name recognition is maybe causing this price to be a little inflated on the defending champions, giving Lille an opportunity or giving bettors an opportunity to back a, a dynamic French side here?
2: I personally think Chelsea remains overvalued. And I think you're, you're getting, you know, for this podcast, a team that we generally think is pretty overrated in Chelsea, especially the way that they've been lined recently over the last two months since December started, Chelsea's just eighth in expected goal difference in the premier league. It's not a huge sample because there uh, were not a ton of games in January, but that includes two games against Tottenham where they actually played pretty well. I thought. Uh, and, And so, you know, Chelsea have played well at times but they have certainly lacked consistency and it doesn't look like Mason Mount's going to be back for this game. And I think he's actually a huge loss in their midfield and how much he's able to press from the front and how much he's able to prevent uh, teams from playing through them, especially on the counter. When they lose the ball, he's excellent at organizing the press and trying to win it back. So without him, I think that's a pretty big loss. They're still down the fullbacks. They actually switched to a back four against palace and it kind of worked. I mean, they won, right. But They also needed a last-minute goal from Hakeem Ziyech on what I thought was a pretty poor job defensively from Palace. Overall, they created 10 shots, 1.2 expected goals. They had seven passes into the penalty area and just three carries. So this wasn't exactly the ball progression and shot numbers you're looking to see from a team who's about to make a Champions League run. And I know this is the first leg of the Champions League. You're not really looking ahead per se, but they do have a cup final on Sunday against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. So certainly one eye could potentially be on that. And they've just been kind of all over the place between the the Club World Cup, then in the Premier League, now in the Champions League, they've got the EFL Cup match on Sunday. It's just a lot they're trying to balance right now. And this Lille defense is elite, elite, elite. Uh, Number one in in France, big scoring chances allowed the fewest. Uh, Chelsea has had a big problem creating big chances lately. Uh, Leo also only conceded two goals from open play in six matches in the group stage. They conceded a couple of penalties to Salzburg like everybody else, but otherwise one goal to Wolfsburg and one goal to Sevilla. And that was it. So this defense, they conceded the second fewest expected goals per, uh, in, you know, in the group stage as well. So I think you're getting an elite defense. Who's going to sit deep. They're going to park the bus. It probably won't be the most exciting match in the world but they've got some counterattacking pieces I like. And I think that, you know, they may lose us by a goal, but I'm taking Leo plus one and a half.
1: Yeah, I like the money line. I think plus 850, it's worth it. Uh, you're getting, a lot of times, like you just got away. Like, is this team too good to ever be this high, no matter the opposition? Maybe you're stretching it with this, with Leo, but, you know, we saw it with Tottenham over the weekend, right? They got to 11-1. When you see a team that good, it, you, you should maybe just always think uh, to have a sprinkle on a team. When you see a team that is really good no matter the opposition at a big number in soccer a 90-minute sample it's always worth it uh to have a little bit of a taste i think and that's that's my thinking here especially you touched on it. i think it's a weird weird spot for chelsea uh, they're a bit all over the place like you said they were in uh the club world cup in the middle east they come back uh a decent win a grinding win i guess crystal palace coming off of that i i guess you can say um but still they're not showing the the consistency and the that dynamic uh, style cohesion, I guess, is the best word under Tuchel that we saw in his first uh, calendar year in charge. I would say uh, so. I think a good opportunity to fade Chelsea plus eight fifty on uh, Lille. That's where I'm going. Bj, I think you're you've been into Lille um, quite a bit. You like the mass Uh You you talked them up on this podcast. So you coming with us here?
0: Yes, in in a way, I'm actually going under three goals at minus one forty. The problem I have with Lille is I think this Chelsea team is honestly trending in the right direction, even though it hasn't seemed like their results have been that good. So essentially over the last 10 premier league matches, they've only allowed 7.2 expected goals, which is really, really good. And honestly, it's starting to get close to the numbers that we saw under Tuchel over the second half of last season, when they became this just defensive juggernaut, even in the champions league, if you throw out the three, three draw against Zenit in Russia, where just things got chaotic, Chelsea only allowed 2.6 expected goals in their other five Champions League group stage matches. So this is still a very, very elite defense that I think Lil is going to have a lot of trouble trying to break down. Now, on the flip side, their Chelsea's offense, I, I question if they're actually going to be able to get margin here against Lil, which I would would play into, you know, Lil money line or Lil plus one and a half. Uh, only 5.7 expected goals in their last six is, is a bit concerning. Uh, especially since, you know, they'll be facing the best defense in France. Lil, obviously Anthony just talked about how elite their defense is. It's actually due for some some positive regression. 35 goals allowed in League 1 off of only 27.4 expected. So, you know, even in the Champions League group stage, Anthony mentioned it. Even, you know, allowing only two goals for open play, nobody in all of their matches created over one non-penalty expected goal against them. It's a really, really good defense. That's going to set up in a four, four, two. They're happy letting Chelsea have the possession, allowing them to just absorb that and just try to play them on the counter zero, zero draw. They'd be so happy with that walking away with Stanford bridge. So, uh, but Chelsea winning this two, nothing really scares me. Uh, They obviously have the attacking pieces that can get through Lil. So instead, I'm going to go under three goals, uh, which is currently at minus 140. I only have 2.08 projected. So for two elite defensive units that are allowing close to only one expected goal per match domestically
1: uh, in both their leagues, I think this is a good price on under three goals. One other thing I would touch on too is just looking ahead a little bit. Right, they're, they're little is three to one on the two advance line right now. Uh, Chelsea's a, the team, a type of team right now in, in their current form that if, if they did get away from this one uh, with like a one nil or two one victory. I would be pretty tempted on getting Lil at a a big, big number to advance uh, ahead of the second leg. Because I think this Chelsea team, they just seem vulnerable at the moment. Like Anthony was saying, they're they're playing in 100 different competitions. They've been all over the place. And it just doesn't look like, and their underlying metrics bear this out, that that, that they're uh, playing uh, in good form right now. Anthony, uh, anything to close this one out before we jump to the other match on Tuesday?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, Leo's ability to counter attack and and it's underrated generally. uh, And I think that's the biggest question mark here is can Leo find those one or two breakthroughs where they are able to string together some passes and get through this Chelsea defense, because they're not going to have sustained possession on the road at Stanford bridge. Uh, They're not going to be bombarding the Chelsea goal with a lot of shots, but if they can create enough, uh, to get one or two big scoring chances, which I think they can with with guys like David up front, uh, it gets really interesting and difficult for Chelsea to get margin. Another thing, uh, Sven Botman, one of the better aerial defenders in all of Europe, I think, uh, and and based on the numbers, he's quite good. Going up against Lukaku, definitely neutralizes the one edge that Lukaku has over most center backs he plays against, and I think he's just really struggling to get into the into the flow and the rhythm of this Chelsea team and the way they play under Tuchel. So. There's just something off about Chelsea. And without Mount especially, I just don't really trust them.
1: All right, let's move on uh, to the other match on Tuesday. Villarreal, they're plus 155 hosting. Juventus coming back at plus 200. The draw here is plus 215. Uh, Juve is minus 225 uh, to advance. Villarreal, plus 163. I think, just like Chelsea, we're looking at another vulnerable favorite in uh, Juventus. Uh, And they're going up against a team... In, in good form, Villarreal, 4-2-1 win draw loss in their last uh, seven since uh, January 1st. In that span, plus 12 goal differential, plus 8.76 expected goal differential. Uh, so a team that was a little inconsistent in league play through the first half of the season, they seem to have uh, got their act together and remain a dangerous tournament team. We've talked about it a bunch with the Yellow Submarine uh, under Unai Emery, not the type of team you want to draw in uh get picked out of the hat with just because they're they're well organized. They all everyone on that team knows uh what what it takes to advance in these one off knockout round fixtures. So tricky, tricky matchup for a Juventus team that is not in great form, just one win in their last four in Serie A with a uh negative 0.63 expected goal differential. So I like Villarreal. Um I, I think I'll probably just end up splitting a stake here between them to win on Tuesday plus to advance plus 163 as well. And another team that I think that if Juventus gets out of here, uh, either, you know, one, one with a draw or with a, uh, with a one goal win, I think Villarreal are still very much in the tie. So keep an eye out for that. BJ, anything for you? You want, you coming on the yellow submarine with me? Yeah,
0: Michael, I can't remember like a Champions League match that I've loved more than this one. I, I, I can't get over how good Villarreal is right now. I, it, they're, we got to start talking to them as basically one of the best teams in, in Spain and maybe even Europe, and given the form they're currently in, plus 1.17 expected goal differential per 90 over their last 10 matches and are averaging 2.3 expected goals per match. Those are unbelievably elite numbers. Even this past weekend, they beat Granada. I believe the final score ended up being 4-2 or 5-2. I can't remember the exact one, but they created – 5.4 expected goals. Now, there were a couple penalties in there, but I think that might be the highest expected goal output of anybody uh, across Europe's top five leagues in any match this season. Now they get to face a very, very, I wouldn't say, you know, vulnerable Juventus team. I'd say they're just not that good, honestly. I know they've added Dusan Vlahovic. That's great. But he's, like we've talked about many times, he's drastically overperforming. And Juventus, When they have to play against good competition, they've obviously beat up pretty well on the bottom half of the table in Serie A. If you take uh, matches against the top seven in Italy, plus their two Champions League matches against Chelsea, Juventus has a minus 2.9 expected goal differential on the season. So given they're going to be facing the hottest team pretty much in all of Europe, going to Spain, coming off of a Turin derby that they deserve to draw with Torino, this is an unbelievable spot for Villarreal especially on the money line, draw no bet, two advance everything, give me everything. I might even put I think I might even put a little bit on Villarreal 100 to 1 to win the Champions League because the, given the form that they're in, I mean who I mean we could say oh yeah, you know, Man City or whoever can stop them, but man, their their offense is so so impressive right now and you know, even if we're just looking for the season, purely just expect a goal differential. Villarreal for the season is at +0.57 per 90, Juventus is at +0.38. And by UEFA coefficient, Spain is a much, much more difficult league than Italy. So it is a little bit crazy to me that Villarreal is not just a even money minus 105 favorite. You know, I have them projected at minus 103. You look at 538, they got Villarreal at 54%. So I love this yellow submarine, draw no bet at minus 130. And, you know, obviously the money line is good there. And then to advance, just every, everything on the yellow submarine right now, I want to bet.
1: Yeah, uh, if you recall a couple months ago, someone on this podcast... Yes, also Michael. Bet, also bet Villarreal. They're 100 to one right bet. now. Man. I I, I, think, I love it. I, I love think that's, it. Un, if you're looking to get involved with the future, I think that's the one to do. Yeah. Um. And like you said, this is a, you're getting a team that we've, we've talked about so often because of these La Liga teams, their reputation. Atletico Madrid, uh, Sevilla, Villarreal, to to just do so well to punch above their weight in these tournaments, and I don't even know if this is punching above their weight right now because no, of they can, should be favored. Form. Yeah, like I'm they should
0: you. be a minus. They should be an even money favorite in this match, given <laughs> given the underlying metrics that we're seeing. There's no reason why they shouldn't be
1: even money favorites at home against. Yeah, defenders. I think Anthony, you, you you could look at it this way, right? Like if you switch the form guide of these two teams, this number would be out of control on real uh, and because Juventus has the name recognition and the kind of know, the respect factor of. Uh, they're a big club in Europe where Villarreal aren't, um, I think that's why you're seeing a number that isn't accurately priced right now. What do you have for us though?
2: Yeah. You know, Villarreal is taking a lot of money in the market. Uh, they were opened as underdogs uh, at home, uh, which I know I, I, I jumped on. And I think, I think BJ, we, we talked about this when the first draw came out and we did our reactions. Uh, and at the time I made Juventus minus 101. Uh now, I do not. Uh, I've got Villarreal as the better team. Uh, and so I'm actually pretty surprised that the number is still plus 160 to advance. Uh, I would I would absolutely bet that right now. Uh, I like them in this leg as well. I think the Vlahovic narratives have already gone haywire after one match. Uh, he's played three matches, scored on his debut against Verona, had four shots in that match, had seven shots, but only 0.3 expected goals against Atalanta, a lot of low quality looks for Vlahovic. He was he was pretty bottled up by Atalanta, and then he only had one shot in the entire match against Torino. So now he ha- he's played three matches. He has one expected goal. He has one goal. It's fine. No no reason to panic. Uh, but I think people expected him to just come burst onto the scene and and continue to dominate the league like he was before, and it's just really not the case. Uh, Bj mentioned it, and I think it kind of puts it in perspective. Spain is a much better league than Italy. I think the coefficients are even wrong in the sense they don't really get far enough to saying how much better Spain is than Italy right now. If you look across the board at Italy's European performances, Inter's been good. Atalanta failed to qualify in the same group, had a worse expected goal difference than Villarreal, uh, really struggled against young boys. Uh, and and so, you know, question marks about Atalanta. You look down further. Roma had a couple embarrassing losses in the Europa Conference League. Not great. Uh, you go down to Milan, thrashed Pretty much every match in the Champions League struggled mightily. Napoli was fine. Uh, and Juventus, the only, you know, they played what I would consider three difficult matches in their group. They lost the expected goals or about even in all of them. The Chelsea match, they were fortunate to win 1 0. They got thrashed at the Stamford Bridge and then they went to Zenit and needed a late winner on the road. So I just don't really get the hype train on this UVA team either. Uh, and so I'm happy to play Villarreal. So it's my favorite play of the of the first of these four.
0: Yeah, no no Cialini, no Chiesa, and potentially no Benucci for Juventus. So I believe
2: Dybala's is questionable as well. He went went also,
0: yeah, I think he picked up a knock uh, against Torino as well. So it's going to be, you know, Vlahovic and Morata probably up top. They're probably going to play a four four two. 4 Villarreal is very, very good at mixing. Yeah, Emery's done a great job of mixing his tactics. He can play a four four two with with Villarreal, or he can switch to a four three three and become the more possession-dominant side and try to overwhelm Juventus. So it'll be interesting. Don't be surprised if Villarreal is actually the more possession-dominant side. And obviously, we expect them to win and win the expected goals battle, because that's why we're betting on them. But it might be a very, very dominating performance uh, from the El Submarine.
2: I also expect Allegri to make this the worst football match you've ever considered yeah. watching. Yeah. That's just, that's just what I expect from Allegri on the road. First leg. It could get ugly. It's probably not going to be the most exciting watch. I don't think Chelsea Lille will be either. Uh, I think, you know, Wednesday has the potential for more fireworks if we look at the slate, but uh, generally, yeah, I'm, I'm just not buying this UVA team and I'm going to keep not buying them until they prove me otherwise. And I doubt that's going to happen in the final 15 matches or so of the season.
1: You said it, uh, Probably more fireworks on Wednesday, so let's take a look at those matches. A really interesting one, a one that I've gone back and forth on since we spoke in December, uh, with Atletico Madrid and Manchester United. So we'll start there. Atleti plus one forty at home, United plus two twenty on the road. The draw here is plus two fifteen. United under Ralph Ragnick, seven four one win draw loss, plus ten goal differential. This is just Premier League, and their expected goal differential is right there as well. However. You might want to pump the brakes a little bit. Wolves and West Ham, I think would you you would say, were the two toughest opponents in that stretch. And, you know, like even today against Leeds, they just seem to turn off for a little bit. Um, And you can't do that against Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid, as we were talking about with Villarreal, this is a team that can win in the big moments and in a tournament knockout round game. That's really all you need to do. Uh, Diego Simeone will have his team ready for that. They'll be ready to pounce on any mistake for Manchester United. And if there's one thing you can count on in this, uh, in this fixture, United will make a mistake. And if, if Atletico puts one in the back of the net, you do trust their defense to make that mistake count. Manchester United's offense though, they are creating some good scoring chances. They've created over 2.6 expected goals in their last three matches. Once again, the opposition isn't all that much to write home about. So I want to see where this number moves, because I would be a little bit more interested in in Atleti if it does move up a little bit. And I think it might, because United has started to at least right the ship a little bit under Ragnick. a couple of inspiring performances uh, over the last uh, week or so. However, right now, I'm just going to pass and and maybe watch. Could be a fun one to live bet as well. Anthony, what do you have to say for your boys? A team that you backed, you backed Manchester United before Champions League started uh, as a potential future. That's a different team than we're talking about now. Do you feel more confident in this kind of group than you did in uh, when you placed that bet? Well, you know, if
2: we go back to the show, uh, one thing that I said was that I thought Ole would be fired uh, mm-hmm. and they would, they would hire a better manager. Uh, I thought it, you know, I didn't think it'd be Ralph Ragnick. I wasn't sure where they would go in that direction. You know, if they had lost El Sakico to Tottenham, We could be having a whole different conversation about how Antonio Conte is the United manager and they actually signed a couple of midfielders in January. And then we're like, oh, you know, can United actually win this thing? Uh, I don't think they're there. uh, And I don't love my position. Uh, I'm kind of just, you know, we'll see how far we get. Maybe we get like a quarterfinal matchup against PSG or something if they get through here. Uh, I know BJ shaking his head because he doesn't think they're getting through here. I think there's been a change with United. When you watch them play, just just the idea that they put Jaden Sancho on the field makes them better. Uh, And he's so good at progressing the ball. United's biggest problem, they couldn't get the ball from the defense to the attack because they have no midfielders. Well, Fred is playing better than I think I've ever seen him play since Ragnick's come in. Sancho is Sancho. We know he's excellent. And even today against Leeds was, I thought, the best player on the pitch for either team. Ronaldo has fallen off a bit, and that's a major red flag for this matchup. But again, it's not like Atleti has this monster pressing forward on the other end either. So I think uh, it it becomes a very interesting situation where both teams are kind of playing with 10 without the ball. uh, And and that could actually open this game up more than you'd expect from an Atletico Madrid Champions League match. Uh, I don't think United is good enough defensively to play without the ball. So I think they're going to press And that will make them vulnerable when Atleti goes forward. And when Atleti is able to break on the counter, like I'm definitely concerned about that for United here. I don't have a position on the game. I'm passing. This is the one match I really don't have a great read on. Um, But I think generally I like United overall to advance over the two legs because I think they have way more general attacking talent. But again, betting against Simeone in in February uh, in the Champions League has been a dangerous proposition for many people who have tried to do it before.
1: Yeah, I I almost think that it's... If you're going to back, um, if you, you're you interested in uh, Atletico Madrid, the 40 to 1 future is interesting just because, as we said now six times already on this episode, they are a really tough team to beat in a tournament. Diego Simeone is a master at this kind of stuff. And if they get through this tricky tie with United, they their number will slash, obviously, as long as they don't draw Someone like, you know, Bayern or City in the next round, which of course is possible, but they are, they remain a very intriguing team to me. I just don't think that I have it in me to back them at this number, I guess, United, a United team that I I'm just having trouble figuring out right now under Ragnick. Uh, BJ, you've been shaking your head throughout this entire conversation. You are a man of Iowa, but you are also a man of Atletico Madrid. You love this team, I feel like. Are you backing them again?
0: Absolutely. I'll I, i I'll be honest. I do not think Manchester United is really, you know, obviously we've been talking quite a bit about how easy their schedule has been. Uh, you know, they looked, obviously looked great against Leeds today. I am really not buying them as a, not only to get through this one, as a top four contender, as really even... I don't even know how to describe it. I I don't know how to describe Manchester United right now. I don't feel like they're a very good team, but at the same time, they obviously have all the talent there to be a good team. This type of matchup though, I'm very happy to take Atletico plus 140 on the money line in this first leg because yeah, Atletico, they've been in weird form throughout, you know, since the champions league ended, but their underlying metrics are very, very impressive overall for the season. They're at plus 0.53 expected goal differential per 90 minutes while United overall for the season is at plus 0.11. Now, obviously the whole first half of the season was under old Gunny Solskjaer and they weren't in the right form, but still overall for the season, Atletico's underlying metrics have been much better than United and Spain and England. Obviously England's a little bit better of a league than Spain, but it's not like this huge gap uh, in terms of the talent level. I think it is. It's not. Uh, It's, it's actually closer than you think. Um, So you know Atletico their defense is obviously you know once again playing at an elite level only 0.86 xG allowed per 90 and they've actually been playing a pretty difficult schedule since the Champions League ended they've had to play Real Madrid, Barcelona, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, Villarreal, Athletic Bilbao it's they've had that benefit of being tested over and over week in and week out and through that whole difficult schedule they have a plus 4.3 expected goal difference which is very impressive. The same cannot be said about United. Like you mentioned, Michael, the diff- most difficult team they've played probably is West Ham. That's the only team they've played in, in, inside the top seven in England. Now, under Ragnick, they have a plus, around a plus 0.7 uh, expected will differential per 90 minutes. And that's, you know, that's top four level type stuff. But when you're not getting tested week in and week out, you know, it's easy to sit here and say that, oh, my gosh, man, United's back. They, they look so much better under Ragnick. That's great. You know, their passes per defensive action right now is at 10.2. That's really, really good. You know, that's a big-time improvement on our old Gunny Solskjaer. But Atletico, they're top five in Spain at playing through pressure. And I do think they'll be able to hurt United quite a bit on the counter. And they're fine letting United come forward, let, let McTominay and Fred commit too far forward, and then, boom, they get hit on the counter, and they leave Maguire on an island, and suddenly Luis Suarez or Gio Felix – are putting the ball in the back of the net, and Atletico's up 2-0. And Ronaldo's shaking his head like, what's going on? I have Atletico projected at minus 136. I think that this is a fantastic spot for them here in the first leg to get all three points. I assume they're going to go They're going to go for it here in the first leg. I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, it, I think it would be a different story if, if Atletico was on the road in this first leg, but I love the price at plus 140 because I don't think this Manchester United team uh, should be even talked uh, up with the elites of Europe right now.
2: When you compare what they did in this recent stretch to what they did in the first 10 ish games of the season, when they played a very similarly weak schedule, sneaking by West Ham, uh, sneaking by uh, against, you know, other teams, they played Southampton. they struggled, uh, you know, barely beating, you know, other teams in, in the top, you know, 10 ish where you're like, okay, why are they struggling here against Norwich or why are they barely getting by team X, you know, Okay, that's one thing. But you compare those numbers where they were like even an expected goal difference to you just said it. They're plus point seven per 90 now. So I just like the the fact that Sancho is in the team. And I think that makes a huge difference here. So we will see. uh, We are on opposite sides here. I'm not actually betting the match. So I guess technically we're not. But for my United future, which has almost no hope, I'm going to dream on
1: Uh, Manchester United. They're a roller coaster. Roller coasters insinuate you go up and down. It's a wild ride ix uh they're not a roller coaster they only go one direction that's full speed ahead and they are taking on benfica benfica's plus 310 hosting ix minus 115 the draws plus 275 here's the question right we love this team bj you're wearing an ix jersey it's beautiful we all backed them before the tournament started they just absolutely smashed through the group stage odds on should they be odds on In this, in this, like, I, I mean, they're minus 400 to advance Benfica's plus 275. The market is probably too high on this team, but at the same time, have they earned that, right? Like there's, you can, both things, I guess, can be true at the same time. Um, I'm probably going to be passing uh, on this game, riding the IX future. I still think that if you're going to just, if you just want to sit back, put your feet up and enjoy the show, by all means, buy high on this team and and still bet them because they're just so much fun to watch. But I just think the number is a little outrageous here. Uh, BJ, anything for you? Yeah, it's scary laying that,
0: that number on the road against Benefica. And listen, I, we could sit here and I could say, hey, I'm scared to do that. And I wouldn't blame anybody if they went out and laid minus 120 on Ajax and IX went and just whipped him for nothing. Like, I would, that wouldn't shock me at all. And I'd say, all right, that's cool. Like, and we'd all move on. Benefica, it's very interesting. They obviously got pummeled by Byron in the group stage, but they've had two really good performances uh against against Barcelona and in the Portuguese you know uh first division which is the sixth best league in Europe they have a you know around a plus 32 expected goal differential now Ajax is just out of this world in the area to be say they're at like plus 45 expected goal differential so obviously they're the rightfully favored side in this one uh but it's a little too high and I think it's going even gonna get higher by by match time so if you're wanting to play Benefica and jump out in front of the train, I would wait on this number because I wouldn't be surprised if Ajax got to, like, minus 150, minus 160 here by match time. Uh, but it's a good Benfica team. It's a solid Benfica team. They have experience, unlike some of the other sides that have come through, like we saw with Sporting, who doesn't really have the experience to go throughout this stage. Obviously, you know, Vertonghen and Otamendi, or the defensive be- uh, center back pairing for Benfica, they have some experienced strikers who have, you know, obviously played in the Euros this year. It's a good team. And I think that's the market is kind of overreacting a little bit to the Ajax performance. But then again, it was incredibly depressive. So like, what else is the market supposed to do? So I'm with you. I'm ultimately passing. I'm just going to put my feet up and enjoy the Ajax show. And they'll probably pummel them three nothing. But uh, yeah, the price is a little too high on Ajax right now. Anthony, what do you think?
2: I'm glad BJ will not be doubting me because I am absolutely backing Ajax here and and he's right. The number the number has has gotten a little crazy. Uh, they opened plus 110 here. They're now up to minus 115. I would not go past that -115 minus -120. Minus Once you get past that, no value in the number anymore. And in the end of the day, we do play numbers, but boy do they make me make me happy when I watch them. Uh, you mentioned one thing that I think is really interesting here and that's that Vertong and Otamendi are the two center backs for Benfica. They're both old Uh, And and I think that's a major issue when you're going up against this Ajax team who is full of energy, full of youth, full of guys who are excellent one-on-one, but also technically gifted players who can pass through any back line in the world. Uh, And this Ajax attack, second best in the entire group stage in terms of uh, production behind only Bayern Munich. Now, they didn't play in the toughest group but they did play two games against a team who is also Portuguese uh, and neither of those games were remotely competitive, right? So I X went and in the first match against sporting, it was 3.8 expected goals to 0.5. They won the match five to one. And then in the second match, I X kind of had their foot on the handbrake, only won the expected goals, 2.2 to one, and only won four to two in a match they didn't need. They had already cleaned up and, and, and won the group by then. When we look at Benfica, You know, I mentioned this on last week's show. We were talking about sporting and why I was pretty concerned about them. They have a negative expected goal difference in the group. And yes, they had some decent performances against Barcelona. But what we know is that that was the Barcelona who was a bit of a mess. They had a bunch of injuries at the time. They were not in good form. They were, you know, Ronald Koeman was on his last legs at the club. And then they played the last match in a must-win situation against Dinamo Kiev. And they won the match comfortably, but Kiev missed an open net on two separate occasions in the first half. And really the expected goals battle was pretty even in that match. So I am not a big believer in this Benfica team. Uh, and so I think Ajax is going to roll. I think uh, they're going to, they're going to look to get this done with and over in the first leg and win by multiple goals on the road. And I think they will do that. And if you really like Ajax and you want to chase an line special, I don't think it's a bad idea because I yeah, think not, yeah, if, 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 if directionally, you know, what I think about Benfica is true and that they just pretty much stink, Ajax could, could run here. And and like you said, there are some signs that maybe Ajax should have conceded a little more in the group. They got a little bit fortunate sometimes, but I just don't know how they keep pace with with Ajax here. And, and with the age of the center backs, I don't like the tactical matchup either.
0: Yeah, IX minus one is plus one sixty-five. That's a pretty good number. Cause I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, if IX is winning this match, it's not gonna be by one goal. <laughs> it's gonna be by two or three.
1: So yeah, or, yeah, or if good. they win by one goal, it's them going down one nil and then you can you right. know, live bet them, right? Like so you want exactly. to find find yourself a, a nice price to cozy up next to with this IX team, I think is is the general lesson we're trying to say here. Uh because and I
0: I I just want to say one thing. I really want them to draw PSG in the next round. I, I want it. I'm so telling
2: bad. you now. I don't want PSG anymore.
0: All right. Nah, I'm officially I'm
2: officially off the PSG stinks train. I want to make that clear. Uh, I think there's legitimate improvement and uh, the numbers. And I am off the PSG stinks train. I would love to draw Chelsea. I think that would be a great matchup for Ajax. Uh, you know, At- if At- or, they if, would, if, oh
0: my gosh, At- if, if they could get
2: Atletico Madrid or even so Man funny. United. Oh man. Ooh, That'd be fun. And maybe even, you know, and I know this hurts us as a podcast, but yeah. Real or Uwe, either of those teams, I'm feeling pretty good. The only teams I don't want to play are Bayern and City and Liverpool. Yep. Otherwise, I don't, I don't fear them against anybody.
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. I think that when you're looking at Champions League futures, really, like honestly sitting right now, I, I think realistically the only three teams that are going to win the Champions League are going to be Liverpool, City or Bayern outside of that it's 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 take a shot time on some of these longer down the board type teams like atletico or via real because there's just really not much value on well real madrid not anymore obviously after losing the first leg but you know psg man united some of these other teams that are sitting around 10 12 to 1 there's just really not much value on them because i don't think they're even really close to the level of those the
1: first three teams that i mentioned and the the beauty of it is liverpool can draw man city in the next round or yeah. or byron or you know whoever like those you know they could It could end up like that. It's it all comes down to the sorting hat. Uh, All right, let's uh, pause on Champions League for now. We'll move to the midweek Premier League matches. We'll start with Tottenham Hotspur delivered for me as 11 of one underdogs against Manchester City. They're traveling to turf more to take on Burnley, who are plus 350 Spurs odds on minus 125. The draw is plus 275. This is a Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. Burnley, one three and one win draw loss uh, over their last Five, the draws came against Arsenal, uh, and including one against Man United. The win was a very impressive one over Brighton. And uh, even the loss, they looked fine, I think, against Liverpool. They were pretty unlucky uh, not to at least go ahead in that game. Uh, Liverpool ended up winning the expected goals battle, but Burnley should have been up one, maybe two nil in the first half uh, at a very rainy, cold turf more. Looks like this team is improving a little bit. Uh, Vout Weghorst looks like a perfect fit. For I mean, as much of an outlier for Burnley that Max Corn, Maxwell Cornet is, that vague horse is just – if Sean Dyche could invent a football player, it would be him. Uh, and they look better. I think uh, you're getting them a, a decent number here because of Spurs beating City. Like, this is a pretty good opportunity, I think, to sell high on Conte, Spurs. However, uh, I want to see it tick up a little more. You know, if we can get towards 4-1 to one on Burnley, I think I'll be in. If not, maybe a pass here for me. Uh, Anthony – you're the Spurs fan on this podcast. You have to admit this number is a little too high, right?
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, Minus 105 was the look ahead. Now we're up to 125, probably going to push 130 by game time. Uh, Both teams had impressive performances, obviously varying degrees of that. Spurs actually winning the expected goals battle, you know, not counting a penalty in that match against City, uh, creating four big scoring chances. Uh, It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And they had one Vard off that was really on a knife's edge. So, a beautiful win for Tottenham, but like you said, uh, there's no value in this number for me. I actually lean toward Burnley. I think they can cause some problems with crossing. Tottenham's defensive numbers with crossing as a whole have not been bad, but uh, they have had big time issues stylistically defending the far post. The wingbacks have been very suspect at stopping crosses from coming into the box. I think that's the major red flag here. If you're looking to back Tottenham, I think they could concede very much here. And I know BJ's, Thinking that's going to happen in this match. And so I I don't disagree with uh with, with the over either, but generally I'm probably gonna end up staying away here.
0: Yeah, I love over two and a half goals at, at plus one ten. Anthony mentioned the crossing defense from Tottenham has been, I'd say, suspect the last few matches. Obviously, you know, City City had 40 crosses, okay, and they only completed five of them into the box. So you could say as a percentage as a whole, that Tottenham did a good job or whatever, but the two goals that city had essentially came off of crosses. You know, one was a deflection. That was a putback goal. And the other one uh, I believe was end up being like a handball. I, c- I can't remember exactly uh, for the penalty. Yeah. Romero handled it. Yeah. In the box. Handball there. That came off a cross Burnley scored on a cross uh, against Brighton this past weekend, even the match against Southampton at white Hart lane, the last two goals came on just free runners going right. At the far the box. post. At, yep. Right, right into the box headers off crosses burnley second most crosses per 90 in the premier league completing about 2.5 uh into the box per 90 minutes now the tottenham anthony i'll give anthony credit for this the tottenham overs have uh been coming in in waves and then been really profitable the last month or so uh last five matches averaging 3.5 expected goals and 4.6 actual goals Conte has really just unlocked you know, the offense of Kane and Son playing together. They're probably playing at one of the highest levels I've ever seen both of them play. Uh, under Conte, Tottenham averaging 2.1 expected goals per match, uh, which I believe is third in the Premier League over that time span behind only Liverpool and City. Burnley quite bad uh, defensively when they have to play uh, top seven side, 1.75 xg per match uh they're also dead last and shots allowed per 90 and box entries allowed so tottenham i have no I, i'm pretty sure they're going to put the ball in the back of the net at least twice uh in this match and i do think burnley gets on the board here so i do love over uh two and a half goals at plus 110 my projection is 2.87 so i think you're getting some good value uh there for a high scoring match at turf Moor.
1: There's another uh, relegation team, potential team playing as well. On Wednesday, it's Watford. They're plus 235, hosting Crystal Palace, plus 130. The draws plus 225. The Roy Hodgson-Darby. Uh, Roy is one win-draw loss, with a couple of decent defensive performances for Watford, which is saying a lot because their defense was an absolute mess uh, until he got there. Let me just quickly size up the relegation battle. Starting at the bottom, Norwich City, 17 points from 25 games. Burnley, 17 from 22, Watford, 18 from 24. Those are your three teams currently in the relegation zone. Burnley, by the way, their goal differential. Do you guys want to take a quick guess what it is on the season? Anthony, you go first. Uh, I'm going to go with minus 10. Minus eight? Minus nine, right in between you two. It's pretty impressive considering their record. Uh, Just not a team that really gets blown out. They draw a lot of games, obviously. But yeah, so Burnley seventeen points from twenty-two games. Uh, Watford eighteen from twenty-four. Like I said, those are the three teams in the drop zone right now. Right ahead of them, uh, Newcastle twenty-two points from twenty-four. The worst team in the world. That's Everton. They're twenty-two points from twenty-three. Stop. Stop, and then Leeds United. They're twenty-three from twenty-four. And then how about Brentford? Twenty-four from twenty-six. Like, yeah, a little scary there. Yeah, they fall yeah, off. A lo- a- a- definitely a little scary um, considering their games uh, played. Um, and then you know because they're playing, I'll just throw them in there. Palace, they're 26 points from 25 games, but their uh, underlying metrics obviously suggest a much stronger team. And I think that we we talk a lot about the show. Anthony's the one who always drills at home. Palace, they've been awful, awful, awful away from Selhurst Park. They'll be away from Selhurst Park in this one. Uh, But I do think uh, you're getting a decent number to go against Watford, considering you're, you're basically getting a nice sell high spot against uh the hornets here plus 235 is a little rich i think against a much much better team in crystal palace uh especially now the palace well they're not going to look at it like this is in a, an official stamped relegation six-pointer but they don't want to get dragged into this uh so i think this is a pretty important match for patrick vieira he might go ahead and call it the most important match of the season for them so far uh so i'd like palace plus 130 here as road favorites bj anything for you yeah,
0: I'll ultimately pass man Roy Hodgson. You know, just seeing him there on the sideline in some heavy coats and the glasses there. It just he looks like he'd rather just be having some tea, you know, sitting on the countryside. But you know, he's still you see the training
2: videos though. I mean, he he's all in.
0: I know he's I mean, he's he's a legend. I mean he obviously coached the England national team. I mean he's he's obviously done Not a good well. job over, over his career. What's that?
2: Not well, he didn't coach them well. No, he didn't coach them well, but he did coach
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh Watford, they obviously got the one-nil uh win against Aston a huge result. They lost the expected goals, but allowed about 1.6 expected goals to Villa. So not essentially this, oh my gosh, Watford's back, you know, type of performance. They do have obviously some attacking talent. They can get at Palace. If I were to look at anything for this one, both teams score no is even money right now. Uh, if if Watford's truly gonna sit back in a 4-4-2 and Palace is gonna be as rock solid defensively as they have been all season long, this could be a pretty low event match, but obviously under two and a half goals is juiced pretty hard right now. So I don't really want to play that. You mentioned that the the road form for palace is so concerning away from home. And I've tried, I've tried to do it uh, before, you know, when they played Norwich and then they couldn't beat them uh, on the road at a decent price. So um, I will ultimately be staying away. I'm very interested to see though, how palace does against some of these lower sides, they haven't really been able to get margin against them. So it's they and then they've obviously performed very well against the top half of the table. It's very weird uh, how their performances have gone. So I'm very interested to see if Palace can come out dominate possession and actually break down a four four two. If not, then I have some major concerns with their offense.
1: Uh, Anthony, before we move on, anything for you between these two teams? This is a real
2: sickos match. You know, it's a Wednesday afternoon game for for the uh, for us Americans and it's simultaneous with the champions league and Liverpool leads and Tottenham Burnley. And, you know, those are all more appetizing. So if you're betting this and watching this Godspeed, Uh, but I will be sitting this one out. I I, I generally agree with BJ and Michael that say that palace is probably a little undervalued, but again, can't get margin against these other sides been so bad on the road. uh, And Watford's defense has made legitimate improvements under Roy. So uh, I would lean toward the under, I would probably lean toward palace, but very unlikely I'll be betting this one.
1: All right. Uh, Liverpool, they're minus 575, hosting Leeds United, 15 to 1, uh, traveling to Anfield. The draws plus 650. The Reds, five wins in a row, but a couple of lucky performances. We talked about the Burnley one. Uh, they went behind against Norwich. They lost the XG battle to Crystal Palace. That's three of those five wins. This happens every season just because of the the way the Premier League schedule is situated is similar to what we talked about with United. Uh, Liverpool is a team that just can uh, really drum, beat the drum out of some uh, bad teams and get results when they don't have their A game against those bad teams. That's what they're doing. It's a nightmare matchup for Leeds. They've had a couple all right of performances against Klopp's Liverpool since they've come back to the Premier League. It's it's going to take some bravery to pack the Peacocks here, but 15 to one almost makes it worth it. Considering uh, like I said, I don't really think Liverpool's in as good a form as people are saying and thinking they are because they're back in the title race thanks to Tottenham, uh, beating Man City, right? Six only six points with a game in hand now between City and Liverpool. So I think the number it's it's the old Liverpool conundrum, right? The number is obviously way too high. However, that doesn't mean that you should just bet against them, right? So a uh, tough matchup here between these two teams and which should be a back and forth battle ball pinging all over the place, football on the floor type stuff. Uh, I'll probably play Leeds because you want to talk about sicko stuff. This is sicko stuff too, but I'll I'll have a little sprinkle on on Leeds 15 to one. Anthony, uh, you're expecting some goals here, right? I am. And in fact, uh, Leeds
2: conceded four expected goals to Liverpool. There was a red card in there Uh, in the first meeting. That is the second most that Liverpool have put up in a Premier League game all season, Don't second say only it. to
0: Don't the say Arsenal
2: Don't match, which I had to say, which was a no, 4-0 dropping. Uh, anyway, that was also a 3-0 dropping of Leeds earlier this year. Uh, so the one big angle here from a situational spot is that Liverpool had a comfortable win at the weekend, sure, but they're looking ahead to Sunday, and it's impossible to not. And I understand they're back in the title race, and that'll be a major focus, but a cup final on Sunday, even if Klopp says he doesn't care about the Carabao, they're going to care on Sunday and they're going to care absolutely in this very sleepy Wednesday home spot against Leeds. They've known they can thrash Leeds at any time, but Leeds' attack should be able to get at Liverpool here. It's just a general overrating of this Liverpool defense. When you watch them, they just don't exert the same level of game control they have in years past. And look, we cashed a Norwich to score bet. I'm feeling good and I am betting against this Liverpool defense yet again. And then taking the minus one fifteen, both teams to score yes in this game. Leeds did create one point two expected goals in the in the meeting earlier this year uh, at home, and I think they'll be able to generate uh, some chances in this one and get on the board. Even though I think Liverpool may score three and win this comfortably, which I, I think ultimately will happen. But you know, you look back at some of the performances, Leeds have created chances against these big sides, and they've generally been able to sneak one. We saw today they snuck two in a minute, uh, even if one was a bit fortunate. This team can absolutely cause some issues and get at Liverpool in transition.
1: Yeah, and you said like they have a cup final coming over the weekend. This is also their sixth match in seventeen days uh, for Liverpool. So if there ever was a spot to have a little little taste of a big money line, fifteen to one on leads here, it's not terrible. I don't think it's it will be terrible. I should say, uh, but when it all ends, but you know, even if you're you're not a a lunatic. Like me, and you want to just like look for another way into the marketplace. I think first team to score plus 340 on leads is, is interesting as well. But definitely not a type of team, I don't think that, or type of matchup where you're looking to back them like plus one and a half. If you if you're if you believe in leads that much, bet them to win. Um, all right, uh, only other Premier League game that's BJ's Arsenal. They're minus 160, hosting Wolverhampton Wanderers for the second time uh, since February 10th. That match ended. 1.0 in a pretty good performance by Arsenal 1.8 to 1.0 in the expected goal ba- uh, battle. Wolves are 5 to 1 here, they're in good form. Pretty interesting number there. Uh and the draw here is plus 290. Arsenal's only played two games since January 23rd somehow. I don't know how that's happened. We got teams playing every other day and Arsenal's only played twice since uh January 23rd. BJ um I'm gonna right now pass on this. I'm pretty interested in Wolves. I probably will end up on them in some way or another because I, I trust this team. Uh I think we're talking we've seen some offensive regression from them coming. Arsenal's a good form, obviously, but uh I just don't think the gap between these two teams is as wide. What do you say?
0: Uh yeah, I, I'd say Arsenal is a tad overvalued in the market, but not as drastic as they usually are. So the the last few matches for Arsenal have been Unbelievably amazing to watch the match against Brentford. They completely dominated them for pretty much the entire match. And Then Brentford got a you know tap in goal off of a a corner at the very end, but unbelievable offensive performance from Arsenal. And even you know you go back to that match against Wolves, winning the expected goals battle one point eight to one when Arsenal got a red card in the sixtieth minute is really impressive. Well, uh, when you think about it. Uh, What's interesting, though, from a Wolves perspective, Anthony has been just saying over and over that Wolves offensive regression, that the Wolves, Wolves overs, overs, Wolves overs, Wolves overs. And, and you actually know what? Agree. They went over today. Yeah, and I actually agree with them here, honestly, because I went and looked. So when Wolves plays teams uh, above them in the table, their matches are averaging around 2.7 expected goals. But when they play teams below them in the table, those matches are only averaging 2.1 expected goals so that's basically saying okay wolves is happy to play on the counter they're happy to sit back absorb that pressure and move forward but when they play those smaller sides they're not used to holding that possession and dominating the ball and and really trying to break teams down so this is another match where i do like over two and a half goals at plus 120 the arsenal offense has been improving greatly over the past two months obviously they haven't played that much but if we go back to basically the beginning of the year the four matches this year the two matches against city against liverpool and against Chelsea, where they just got absolutely thrashed and created basically nothing. Arsenal is averaging 1.74 expected goals per match against the rest of the Premier League. And they're much better at home than they are on the road. 1.68 XG per match versus only 1.33 on the road. The biggest thing is that Wolves is not providing much pressure. And we've, I've talked about it before, but they're basically like a half-court defense where they'll just sit back, but they're not even really pressing that much anymore, at least they like they were at the beginning of the season. They're dead last and passes per defensive action. And we've talked about how Arsenal is getting much, much better at playing through pressure. So with Wolves not providing much resistance, I think this is a really good spot for Arsenal to to get some margin and and, and win very comfortably. But again, I do think they're a tad overpriced in the market, so I'll end up probably steering towards over 2.5 goals at plus 120, which I think is a good price because I, I have this projected around 2.45. So I'll go over uh, 2.5 goals at plus 120, but I do think this is a good spot for Arsenal
1: to get a win. Anthony, uh, I liked Wolves' overs before they were cool. You, in typical young fashion, are uh, hopping on the bandwagon these days. Uh, Another one for you here?
2: Yeah, I lean that way as well. I don't know how Wolves score here. I think Arsenal's defense at home has been excellent. I think they've gotten significantly better in transition at home, uh, and I think that could be an issue for Wolves trying to get on the board here. They really had nothing going at home until that red card, and even after the red card, it was just cross and hope, cross and hope. Uh, And so that would be the only thing that concerns me about the Wolves over here. But I mean, Arsenal should score on Wolves. This Wolves luck box again, 1.5 expected goals allowed today to Leicester. They only concede one. They get off the hook again. Uh, The the team is, uh, Jose Sa and Bruno Lage are miracle workers. There's no other explanation uh, anymore. I've I've gone through all the analytics in the world and I've decided that there is no way to beat this Wolves luck box defense apparently. So uh, yeah, Wolves overs are the look and the lean, but I'll probably end up passing here the number is not there for Arsenal. Uh, and I, I just really don't buy into, you know, I know the minute that I bet on Wolves is when this this good run is going to end. So I really hesitant to do so in this situation.
1: All right. Before we get to our best bets uh, for the Champions League this week, real quick, let's just go over uh, Europa League. I'll turn it over to you guys. A couple headliners, Napoli and Barcelona, Rangers and Dortmund. Interesting first leg there. And, uh, of course, uh, Real Sociedad and RB Leipzig. Uh, you guys want to quickly just go over uh, your thoughts. BJ, you can run through your Europa League card as yeah. it stands now first.
0: So, the, yeah, the rangers Dortmund match was, it, it, first of all, it, very, very entertaining. It was up and down, basically how Rangers matches happen from week in and week out. And the, the Dortmund defensively, which we've seen all season long, was just really, really sloppy in transition. It oh, great today. And and then of course they, yeah, they pull a shutout today. Um, It's incredibly sloppy in transition sloppy. They allowed a goal off a corner, you know, a handball in the box. It's just really, really bad, bad performance. And Rangers, you know, now they have a two goal lead going back home to Glasgow and it's going to be a wide open match because Dorman has to go, go, go for it. And there's going to be so much space for Rangers on, on, on the counter and everything. And they're not the type of team, because obviously we talk about this a lot of times with some of the bigger clubs in these smaller leagues, they're obviously used to having the ball. They do a lot of buildup play, not very many, you know, counter direct attacks. So I think Rangers is the type of team that's not just going to say, okay, let's just sit back in a four, four, two, let's play two low blocks and let's defend like hell for 90 minutes and see if we can get a zero zero draw. That's just not how they play and not how they're used to playing and not how their personnel are set up to play. So they're going to be ready to look and hit Dortmund on the counter going forward. Dortmund did create 1.6 expected goals. Obviously they did score two without Holland in the, in the lineup. It's, it's up in the air, whether he's actually going to play him, I guess would probably be no, but Dortmund does have enough attacking talent to actually get at uh, this Rangers defense. And since basically Dortmund has to go all out, I, I don't see how this match ends up uh, anything less than three goals. Uh, I have 3.5 goals projected. So the over three goals is still only a minus minus one ten, which I think is a fantastic price uh, for Rangers Dortmund.
1: Anthony, any uh, early Europa league leans for you?
2: Yeah. Zenit plus a half at, at Real Betis. I'm, I'm, I'm just tired of Real Betis. I mean, they scored three goals on seven freaking shots uh, in, in Russia. And uh, you know, a draw will do for betis to go through. So if this is tied late, it's going to be Zenit that's going to be pushing for the goal to try to get back into this. They're down one goal on aggregate going on the road. And I just think this is a, a generally a good matchup for a very overrated defense in Betis, a team that concedes chances for fun, and a team who's attacking luck is going to run out at some point and they're going to regress. Uh so I'm I'm banking on this again. I'm betting them again. Uh, I like Zenit. And BJ mentioned it with with the Dortmund Rangers game. Reina went off injured today for Dortmund, so did Dan Axel Zagadu and Akanji's status is uncertain. He didn't play today. Uh, there's a big center back issue for Dortmund <laughs> if, if Zagadu can't go and Akanji can't go. It's the it's, it's Tummels and uh, Michael Leboff might be suiting up uh, on Thursday. I mean, they have nobody left. Uh, they no one's our play center back. Yeah, they, they may have to put, uh, you know, Emre Chan there. Like, that's an option. But then they're hurting the midfield. So there's not really a clear plan uh, for for Dortmund with all the injuries they've had defensively. So that's a major concern. Barca Napoli is the headliner. Barca was a little fortunate to get Napoli in there uh, last week. I I probably lean toward Barca on the road because I'm not really sure, but uh, I know the number's not there. So I probably ended up passing that one. Uh, So that's what I look look toward. But the the main play for me is going to be Zenit.
0: Yeah, I'm, that Barca-Napoli match is very interesting. I'm kind of leaning under two and a half goals in that one. I, I, I was very interested to look at the stats from it. Obviously, Napoli went up in the 29th minute, and they did what they kind of do against bigger sides. When they go ahead, they, they kind of tend to sit back defensively because they're one of the best defenses in Europe. Barca had 20 shots, 38 shot-creating actions, and 38 touches in Napoli's penalty area but they really couldn't do anything with it. They only had 1.25 non-penalty expected goals off of 19 shots, which is incredibly inefficient, but that's really no surprise when you have to play Napoli because they just don't allow big scoring chances. Only eight uh, in Syria this season. I'll be interested to see if Napoli's okay with Barcelona controlling a majority of the possession. Obviously Barca controlled around, I think it was 65% in the first meeting. And so Uh, Napoli obviously can't play for for a zero zero draw because the away goals rule has, I'm not going to say chalked, but it's gone. It's been chalked. No, it's gone. Uh, But overall, you know, Napoli matches this season only average around 2.35 expected goals. Only 44% of the matches have gone over uh, two and a half goals. So uh, I do think it's a decent spot. It's playing under. Obviously, Barcelona's really improved under Xavi, only allowing 0.91 xg per match um and obviously holding napoli to just four shots and 0.6 xg and then that match is is quite impressive so uh i I do lean under uh, two and a half goals in that one
1: all right uh with that we will move on to the final portion of the program our favorite bets for the champions league this week BJ, uh, we'll start with you. Yeah, Chelsea
0: Lille under three goals at minus 140. The Chelsea defense has really, really improved over the last month or so. They're turning back into that dominating defensive side that we saw over the second half of the season under Thomas Tuchel when they went on their run to actually win the Champions League. Only 7.2 expected goals allowed in their last 10 Premier League matches. And even in the Champions League group stage, outside of the 3-3 chaotic draw with Zenit in Russia, They only allowed 2.6 expected goals in their other five matches. Now, on the flip side, their offense has really been trending in the wrong direction. They've only created 5.7 expected goals in their last six matches, and they'll be facing the best defense in France, who is also due for some positive regression. Lille has allowed 35 goals off of only 27.4 expected goals this season. It's a side that's going to be happy to sit back in a 4-4-2, play incredibly defensive, and try to hit Chelsea on the counter. So with Chelsea's offense heading in the wrong direction, and they're also going to be without – their best attacking midfielder, Mason Mount. It's a matchup where I, I don't really see how either team is really going to put the ball in the back of the net multiple times. So uh, I only have 2.1 goals projected for
1: it. So I'm happy to take under three goals at minus 140. My best bet uh, will stay in that match. I like Lil uh, plus 850 on the money line. That's in a 10.5% implied probability uh, with the way Chelsea's playing right now. I don't think that number is fair at all to the uh, French side. Les Dogues, i guess you would call them the mastiffs uh that's their nickname like BJ just said an elite defensive side taking on a team in chelsea that is creating under one expected goal in their last five matches they just are not on it right now they have a look ahead spot as anthony described earlier with a cup final coming this weekend against liverpool they just traveled back from the middle east playing in the uefa club world cup this is a good spot to take a shot against Chelsea and you're getting plus 850 to do it on one of the best defensive sides in Europe. You can expect a pretty low event game. Should be closer to you know 20% I would say Lil has a chance to go to Stamford Bridge to pull the upset. So give me lay dogs uh plus 850. Anthony, what is your favorite bet?
2: Yeah, I'm going with the Ajax money line -115 on the road at Benfica. Villarreal kind of moved out of range for me. So I'm going with Ajax. And I think the reality here is Benfica is one of three teams who came into this knockout stage with a negative expected goal difference in the group stage. And yes, it's a small sample, but the history of those teams and how they performed in the knockout stage thereafter is extremely bleak. Teams getting four or five goals hung on them by the superior sides when they end up facing them. We just saw this last week with Sporting going up against Manchester City. Well, Ajax has had some of the most elite attacking numbers in the entire tournament thus far. Second most expected goals for. uh, They've been the best overall attack besides Bayern in this tournament. So while Ajax, you know, maybe we're getting to the height of the market here on them. I think uh, Benfica's older center backs are going to have a major issue going up against guys like Antony and going up against Sebastian Haller, who are younger and are technically really gifted. So I think this Ajax truck will continue to roll, and I think Ajax will win. Uh, so I'm happy to play them minus 115.
1: All right. Uh, that does it for this episode of Wonder Goal. We will be back on Thursday morning to preview the Premier League and give out some bets all across Europe. Uh, for Anthony Debundo for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Leboff, wishing you the best of luck with your Champions League bets this week.